Hello, my friends, and welcome to Robcast 119. This is uh, part four of a series I'm doing on wisdom, on introducing you to the ancient wisdom tradition. And this episode, episode 119, is called Life and Death and Vegetables. So, uh, oh, a couple things. Boston, let's spend the day together, shall we? Boston friends, I'm coming your way this weekend for the How to Be Here experience all day Saturday. We'll spend the day together. I'll bring some ideas from How to Be Here, uh, my new book, and then you'll start giving feedback and ask questions, and I'll bring some more ideas, and we'll all like, we'll all go somewhere together for a whole day. These events have been such joy, and so Boston, let's get together. Let's spend the day together. And there's still a couple tickets left uh, in case you can be there. would love to see you. And then um, Monday, Tuesday is the second of my Finding Your Groove series at the Improv. Last week was for communicators. This uh, next one is for everybody uh, who's got questions about ambition, work, faith, spirituality, family versus m how do you... Uh, money and time and balance and play and drive and all that stuff about how do you figure out your life. And uh, of course, there will be some surprise guests. And I'm telling you, the improv, by the way, has been, it is the best space to do something. It's been so great. So I would love to see you there. And uh, those are all coming up. And then uh, my beloved friend Elizabeth Gilbert and I are doing an event in November and uh, that's in Brooklyn at the Brick House, and there's still a couple spots left for that. And then also in November, my friend Deepak Chopra is doing a, he's doing a whole week-long yoga meditation retreat, but I'm going to join him for a day and do a talk called Your Atomic Self, and then Deepak and I are going to do a session together, which, come on, that's my idea of a good time. So those are all things coming up, but uh, right now, life and death and vegetables. So we're gonna talk about life and death and then eventually we'll get to vegetables and we're gonna talk about choices and there is a phrase, actually, it's interesting. As I was going through this uh, first series of talks on wisdom and there's so many different dimensions to the wisdom tradition, particularly the Proverbs wisdom tradition. After that, we're gonna to get to Ecclesiastes it, because there's another kind of wisdom. It's all alternative wisdom. I call it the wisdom after wisdom. Then we're going to get to Jesus' wisdom, which is uh, essentially post-conventional, subversive gospel wisdom. So we got all kinds of wisdoms I want to take you through. But right now we're just doing the basics, which is Proverbs wisdom. And uh, this one, this episode felt like it was felt like it was the culmination of where we've been so far. The last episode was about energy. And energy and discipline are related, and discipline comes up again and again and again in the wisdom tradition. So uh, in future episodes, we're going to explore discipline, and we're going to explore how it sort of goes hand in hand with energy. Because if you don't have discipline, then your energies will run wild in a thousand directions. For many people, discipline feels like a, it, it was always like sort of a heavy-handed condemning thing, like, you know what, you can't do that, and you can't do that, and you can't do that. But wisdom is actually about simply focusing and directing your energies. So we're going to get to that and explore that in a few episodes, but I felt like this one, I needed to stop and show you something that undergirds the whole thing, because 
it, um, I'm telling you this episode, when I realized that there is a phrase that people use often, which is actually what this episode is talking about. And we're going to get to that phrase in a little bit. Uh, it was like one of those moments. Um, part of the reason I love, well, the reason I love my work is because it all starts with these moments of like awakening and like these, oh my word, that's it. Um, so all of my work is essentially, I have, I see things, I experience things, and then I I'm like, I have to figure out how to put this in language for my friends. I have to figure, I got to share this. I got to tell somebody. Um, but this one, oh man, when you see this, uh, becoming a person of wisdom, it's about becoming a certain kind of person. It's becoming the kind of person who isn't tossed around by everything that comes your way. It's like less drama, more substance. Uh, it's less being blown about by every storm and wind and wave and more about being an anchored, grounded, centered kind of person in the world. So in this episode, I want to talk about life and death and vegetables and begin with life and death. Because in the wisdom tradition, like Proverbs 9, it says, wisdom builds her house and then calls out, leave your simple ways and you will live. In a future episode, we're going to talk about what the word simple means, because it's not actually a simple word. Um, it's really, really interesting what the wisdom tradition, how it understands simplicity, because the opposite of simplicity is prudence, which are words that we don't really use much. But um, So we're going to do that in detail in a future episode. But what's interesting to me is listen to the wisdom builds her house and then she calls out, because wisdom is personified as a woman in the wisdom tradition, and she's always calling out to you that you can come live in her house. Like you can make choice, you can become wise. Um, leave your simple ways and you will live. Now what's interesting is, is in the wisdom tradition, wisdom is always seen as living. Uh, it talks about walk in the way of insight. The, wisdom is not about your IQ. It's not about where you went to school. It's not about how much money you make. It's not about how many facts you've memorized. Wisdom is about knowing how to live in the world. So it's always about practical steps that you take and choices you make every day. Now, notice chapter five. That's talking about people who make destructive choices. For lack of discipline, they will die. But when the writer's talking about dying, the writer's not talking about like, they don't have discipline, so they're going to fall over dead and be gone. Life and death here are being treated in a particular way. Uh, the Chapter 7, the writer talks about uh, a dude doing something really stupid, like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. But it's not talking about how a guy's actually going to be killed. It's talking about a young man making destructive choices. It talks about um, being led down a highway to the grave, being led to chambers of death, but it's not talking about you keeling over death, uh, like dead, like we think of dead. It also talks in chapter two about attaining the paths of life. So in the wisdom tradition, there's lots of talk about life and death, but it's always rooted in choices you are making right now. In the wisdom tradition, first big insight, Life and death are present realities. See, for many, life and death are two states of being. You're alive now, 
and then someday you'll die. So life and death are very static terms. You're alive now until the moment you take your life breath, then you'll be dead and that will be a different state of being. And so then the question becomes, there's this life, and then there may or may not be life after this life, which is called life after death or afterlife. But in the wisdom tradition, life and death are present and ongoing modes of being. So life and death are two kinds or qualities or types of life that you are experiencing right here, right now. How you doing so far? Now, uh, another layer of depth. You can be physically wasting away and dying moments from taking your last breath and yet be very, very alive. And you can be alive and breathing and here and yet be dying in all sorts of ways. See, in our world, for many, life and death are static, fixed categories. There's life and then there's death. In the wisdom tradition, life and death are present modes of being. You're here, you're now, you're breathing, and you're either living or you're dying. You're either making choices that make you more and more alive, or you're making choices that while you're still alive, you're actually more and more dying. So now this is not new or unique to the wisdom tradition. Like Moses talked about choosing life. He wasn't saying choose life because otherwise you'll kill over dead. He was talking about entering into a kind and quality and mode of life. And Jesus, I, I came that you might have life. He's not like, or you could just kill over dead right now. He's talking about entering into something that is available to you right now. By the way, side note, in the Hebrew scriptures, there's almost nothing about the afterlife. There's some references to Sheol, the pit, the grave, uh, the abyss. But otherwise, the afterlife just isn't really a, a focus in uh, the wisdom tradition or in the Bible or sacred scriptures. In fact, second side note, I would say that for many people, what religion did is turn life into death into life and death into rewards and punishment. If you do this, then when you die, this is what you're going to get if you did well. And if you don't, you're going to suffer torment, punishment, heaven, hell, all that. That for many people, religion was about what you get when you die instead of teaching people how to enter into a new mode of being right now. So, so when I talk about good religion or I talk about spirituality, I'm talking about an invitation to learn how to enter into the fullness of life right now. Do you want to live now? See, it's not, it's, the question isn't, is there life after death? The question is, is there life before death? Are you with me? So a couple thoughts about living, a couple thoughts about life and its natural state uh, as we get like sort of work our way towards the vegetables um, <laughs> as we work towards the vegetables. I love that. <laughs> Raise your glass, friends. So good. Uh, okay, first, life in its natural state enlivens and expands. That's what life does in its natural state. The universe has been expanding for what now? 13.8 billion years the natural state of the universe is becoming. It's not fixed, it's not static, it's not set in place. The universe is in the endless process of becoming. 
So you, as a participant and a living, breathing entity in the universe, you are in the endless process of becoming. So uh, you think about an atom, and an atom is a building block. Atoms are the building blocks of everything. Atoms are made of smaller particles. Those particles are made of smaller particles. Those particles are made of smaller particles. Atoms bond together to form, uh, well, they form molecules. Molecules bond together and form cells. Cells form systems. Systems form people and trees and frogs and all sorts of things. So everything is ultimately made of atoms. Atoms are made of particles. And particles are energy in relationship. And so an atom is actually a swirling cloud of possibilities that is bonded with other swirling clouds of possibilities to actually form what we know to be you, me, and the world around us. So an atom is actually energy in motion and relationship. So you take a picture of an atom, take a picture of an atom a second later, and you'll see in many ways a different atom because so much is going on within an atom. So the very nature of the material realm, the, the realm of all things, is it's becoming, it's in motion, movement is its most natural state of being. Think about a banana. <laughs> like, here we go. Atoms to bananas. Where did that come from? You leave a banana out on the counter and you come back a week later. Will that atom be exact? Will that banana be exactly what it was? No, it'll probably have turned brown and you won't want anything. You will not want to make a smoothie out of it. The whole thing is in flux. The natural state of the universe is becoming. If something isn't moving into more and more enlivening and expanding, then it's dying. There is no plateau or static state. It wants to go somewhere and become something because becoming is the natural state of the universe. So for many people, it's, well, you're just alive. You can choose to do that or that, but there are really no consequences because you're just here, you're living, and then someday you'll be dead. But in the wisdom tradition, the whole thing, it's alive, it's swirling, it's becoming, and you are either joining in that or you're going the other direction. By the way, have you ever uh, run into somebody that you knew from years ago and you start talking to them and they talk exactly like they did 25 years ago, 30 years ago, and they like literally make the same jokes and they talk exactly like they did and you did 30 years ago and you realize, oh my word, they're, they're like still back there. Like they, didn't everybody just keep going forward? Do you know what I mean? Oh my word, they, they are still having the same arguments and still thinking about things just like they, oh, and it just sort of blows your mind. Yeah, because there is no plateau. There is no static state. The whole thing is moving forward. And if you go the other direction, then you aren't just staying in this static state. You've actually, in some ways, gone backwards. Now, a couple thoughts about life, because life in its natural state enlivens and expands. First off, when we talk about, well, if you're either living or you're dying, then what does living look like? Uh, a couple of things come to mind. First off is connection. The more and more alive you are, the more and more you are aware of how everything is ultimately a seamless one reality. That everything is ultimately connected with everything else. You're more and more 
aware of the increasing depths of the common, that everything is related to everything else. Now, why do I say that? Think about your moments of, of, that feel like death, that feel like what's the point, that feel like despair, like you're stuck in traffic and it's another day at the office. It's another list of things you gotta do. It's another stupid phone call. It's another day on the same road in the same car, listening to the same songs, having the same thoughts. Essentially, this isn't related to anything else. It just exists in isolation and what's the point of it? But those moments of greatest joy, you're with people you love around a table and the food is good and the music is good and somebody within you says this is what it's all about. What you're saying in that moment is that the joy of this experience is related to all joy. It's like this sound is like an echo of a larger sound. So it's when you realize that your work actually helped somebody else out, you're, you're now connected to them. It didn't just exist all in alone, isolated in the universe, but it actually existed within a larger web of meaning and significance. So one of the ways when we talk about life and what it means to be more and more alive is more and more you have the sense that you are connected with everything else because everything is connected to everything else. I, I would say when you're living, you're more and more free. There's this great uh, picture in the Psalms. It talks about a wide place and then it talks about a narrow place. And this was one of the things that the, the psalm writers would talk about is how life can feel cramped and confined and like suffocating, like there isn't any room. And then there is this thing, they keep talking about the divine brings you out into a wide place. See, there's a couple kinds of freedom. There's freedom from, and freedom from is often, it's like, it's like a teenage freedom, which is, I don't need these rules. I don't need, no one, you're not the boss of me. There's people who are really excited because they're free from a bunch of stuff, which is fine and good. But, but then there's a much more mature kind of freedom, which isn't freedom from, it's freedom for. It's not just that you're free from that. Why are you free from that? What's the good of the freedom from that? Oh, so that you'll be free for something, so that you'll be free to actually give yourself to something that matters, that helps people, that's good for the world, that's redemptive and healing and, and, and brings some joy to you and those around you. So, so uh, one measure to life is it, 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 do things feel narrower and cramped and more suffocated, like you can't get enough oxygen for the soul? Or are you feeling increasingly like you're in a wider and a wider place where you're more and more free for something that matters? And then I would say living is about possibility. Living is when you become more and more aware of the possibilities, when imagination is more and more your friend. You realize just what is possible here. Despair is the spiritual disease that tomorrow will simply be a repeat of today. And so when you're living, what happens is more and more you're like, oh, tomorrow won't just be a repeat of today. Tomorrow's got all this possibility for new creations. Uh, Jesus talked about the renewal of all things. When you are more and more aware of the renewal of all things that's taking place all around you and your participation in it, oh, we could do this, we could go here, we could go there, we could give our energies to that. Oh, you know that feeling when you suddenly realize there's something you could do different tomorrow? Some tiny tweak to your schedule, 
to how you spend your money, to how you give your energies, to how you do that project differently than how you were gonna do it. You know that feeling like, oh, wait, I could try that. Sometimes it's just a small little thing that you're gonna do later today that suddenly fills you with like, oh, I hadn't thought of that before. That could change everything. Exactly, exactly, that's living. And then I would say besides connection, freedom, possibility, there's flow. The sense that you've been given this extraordinary gift and now you get to pass it along. I have a Trinitarian understanding of reality. I believe that there's a divine flow that undergirds everything, that it surges through all of life. And I believe that when you give and serve and love and create, you are participating in that flow. That you aren't here just for you. You're here to give, to sacrifice, to take part in a much larger exchange and economy in which you realize just how much you've received and the only natural response to that is to pass it along, that you have what somebody else needs. So there's this sense of flow. So just to make sure that we're not leaving like living and dying is very vague things. I would say that when you're living, you have a greater sense of connection, a greater sense of freedom, a greater sense of possibility, a greater sense of flow. I'm sure you could add all sorts of things to that. But there is this place that you actually live from, heart, soul, spirit, depth of being, true self. There is this place that you actually live from. It is independent of your material possessions, your accomplishments, where you live, who you're surrounded by. It is this place deep within you that speaks to you. And it tells you whether you're living or whether you're dying. And that in the wisdom tradition is the place that you, it is the place within yourself that you pay great attention to. Now, all this said, a couple of thoughts then. Uh, because in the wisdom tradition, living and dying are present modes of being. I want to rescue you from this idea that you're alive, then you die, and we have a funeral, you're no longer here, and show you that in the wisdom tradition, living and dying are realities that you are stepping more and more into right here, right now. And in the wisdom tradition, the wisdom writer often makes very very clear-cut categories. There's this kind of person and this kind of person. It's a very powerful, like, poetic device. It's essentially the wisdom writer's like, I know things are vague and ambiguous and we're deconstructing and we don't quite know. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you can choose. You can choose right now this way over this way. You can choose to be prudent, not simple. You can choose discipline over being unfocused and undisciplined. You can choose to be wise, not stupid. It's like the wisdom tradition is filled with, it's the choices that you make every day, which are choices about this way versus this way. It like breaks it all down. So first, in the wisdom tradition, living and dying, and you right now being aware that you're living more and more and more, or you're dying, are the result of choices that you make. So the wisdom tradition, yes, there's suffering, yes, there's heartache, yes, there's disease, yes, lots of things that can come at you. But when the wisdom tradition speaks of living and dying, it's speaking of a much deeper realm of existence than simply your current circumstances. Are you with me here? Because actually, by the way, counterintuitively, struggle can make you feel more alive. Anybody ever had that sense? And how many of you know somebody who got cancer 
and suddenly they were actually more alive even though their body was being ravaged. Do you see what I mean? When you enter into the wisdom tradition, what you realize is that living and dying is independent of your present circumstances, whether it's financial hardship, heartbreak, disease, trauma, tragedy, bankruptcy, car accidents, whatever it is, that living and dying is something that surges beneath the surface of even those circumstances, as serious and traumatic as they are. Because in the wisdom tradition, you have to embrace a counterintuitive wisdom that you can be dying, physically ravaged moments from taking your last breath and be more alive than ever. And you can be surrounded by health, wealth, and material comfort and yet be dying. And so in the wisdom tradition, you don't get let off the hook. You actually can make choices right now to be more alive. So there's this like grace and invitation, but there also is this like punch in the face. Like, come on, come on. You make choices, which is why uh, the wisdom tradition, wisdom is always personified as a woman. She's calling your names. She's shouting and singing to you in the streets. She's insisting that everybody can be alive. But if you ignore her and you mock her and you do the other thing and you make stupid choices, there's all these lines about how she'll mock you and be like, hey, you're in this situation. You got yourself into this. And it can feel a little harsh until you realize, oh, wait, I do know people who have had the odds stacked against them that were in a big mess, and yet they were more alive than ever. And I do know people who, who have just been cruising along with not a care in the world, and yet when you talk to them, you, it's, they kind of articulate that they're dying. Now, that said, let's, let's take it a step further. The question is, where is the life? And the reason why I say that is because I have interacted with so many people. And, and this question comes up, especially this year on this tour, this question comes up every single city. If somebody basically, the question goes something like this. Somebody says, I, uh, I was taught to live a particular way. Uh, my tribe, authority figures, mentors, parents, teachers, friends, roommates, whatever. It's like, there's a way things are done. And they're like, and, and I can't do it like that anymore. I can't pretend to see it like that. I don't believe those things anymore. And, ye, and so this person basically says, I'm more alive than ever, but the people around me, I'm getting criticized. People are like raising their eyebrows. Like, what happened to you? You kind of feels like you're going off the deep end. It kind of feels like you wandered off the deep roots. We're concerned about your faith. And the person generally says, I don't, what, do, what do I do? Um, and you know, and I always ask them, where is the life? Are you more alive? Are you more, not, not are you getting more criticism? Not are you in some unknown territory that's a little bit like, whoa, what have I gotten myself into? But are you more alive than you are? And here's the thing, people always can answer that question. Uh, in, in the wisdom tradition, they call it the Christ wisdom, the inner Christ wisdom. Jesus says, I and you and you and me, the Christ animating energy of the universe that you possess, you have this true self that is boundaryless, infinite, and indestructible. 
There is the you that isn't playing a game. It's not trying to impress anybody. There is the you that is the you before there was anything else. And be honest, you know. You wouldn't believe how many people come to me with a question. And when I say, which is the path to life? Does that make you more or less alive? They can always answer because you know, you know, which path fills you with possibility and wideness and love and flow. Yeah, of course. Which path fills you with more life? Now, of course, there'll be risk, loss. It might be scary. You might have fears. But here's the thing. You go where the life is. And you have an inner Christ wisdom that's always speaking to you. When you're quiet, this is why some sort of practice, ideally some sort of daily practice of quiet, meditation, I would say surfing, some running, whatever it is you do, that clears your head and heart space so that you can listen to that inner Christ wisdom that's talking to you, that's telling you the truth. So oftentimes the truth is we made choices that went against what our true self, inner Christ wisdom knew was the path. We didn't want to offend anybody. We didn't want anybody to think we were crazy. We just played by the rules of the tribe. And the reason why we feel like we're dying is because we made choices. And if we pass it off to circumstances, then we'll always have an excuse. And the wisdom tradition acknowledges that some things are brutal and some things cause great pain and some things are completely out of your control. It's not talking about those things. It's talking about the choices that you and I make. Choices to violate who we know we are or choices to step into the fullness of life. And so central to understanding that you're living or you're dying is owning up to the choices that you're making. Now, second, there is a phrase that I've heard people use over the years, and I was working on this particular episode, and suddenly the phrase, it like it, it like it jumped up and ran around the room and like beat its chest and was like, now do you understand? But here's the phrase I've heard people use again and again. They're trying to articulate that something's off in their life. I would say they're trying to, to put language to the fact that they feel like they're dying. And you know what they, but they're surrounded by all of this wealth and comfort of the modern world. And you know what people will say? Is they'll say, I mean, it's not like anyone's dying here. And then they'll start to try and articulate the fact that, that something's not right. And it suddenly hit me uh, when somebody says, I mean, it's not like anyone's dying here. Actually, someone is. They are dying here. And, and oftentimes the phrase, it's not like anybody's dying here, is actually when somebody is denying what they know to be true, that they actually are dying. If you have some sense that your life is not becoming, that it is not increasing in connection, freedom, flow, that it is not taking part in the expansioning and expanding and enlivening of the universe. If you have some sense that things aren't becoming like you know they should, that's death. And the thing that people say when they actually are dying is they say, you know, it's not like anybody's dying here, but it's because they actually are dying here. Here's what I mean. You're living and dying 
is totally independent of material comfort or financial status or job or accomplishments or success. Here's what I've seen people articulate again and again. It's like they basically say, I look around me and I should be satisfied. You know, uh, I have a nice car and job and, and, and stuff. The problem is nice cars and jobs and your kids being in good schools, that can actually cloud it. Because what you keep telling yourself is no one has a terminal illness, uh, the cars are paid off, we have plenty of food. And yes, those are all things to be celebrated and enjoyed. But what I'll often hear is somebody lists all the good things in their life and basically says, you know, I should be satisfied. I, I feel guilty here, but something's wrong. What they're saying is I'm dying. And the problem in Western culture is you can get anything sent to you by Amazon Prime within a couple of days or now it's an hour in LA. You can actually get stuff brought to your front door. You can get all of this comfort. You can get all of this pleasure and entertainment. And what it does is it clouds whether you're living or dying because now you have all this list of reasons why you shouldn't be dying. But if you're dying inside, then you're dying inside and you know it. And actually what can happen if you aren't following the path for you is that all that stuff is actually making it worse. Anybody with me? So you keep making lists of all the good things. Like I should be happy. I should, it should be working. I should have a sense of it. No, if you're dying, you're dying. If you're dying, you, you know, it's not like anybody's dying here, which is basically other people really do have it tough. If you are saying that, you're saying that because it's true. You actually are dying here. I know people will say like, you know, I know I shouldn't feel this way because I have so much. Uh, I kind of almost feel guilty because I'm miserable. Stop this thinking. In the wisdom tradition, there is no relationship between material wealth and comfort and whether you're living and dying. You can have everything that every commercial ever promised you would bring you happiness. You can be living in a massive house, taking awesome vacations. You can have it all and be dying. And you can have next to nothing and be living. Which leads me to vegetables. There's a great line in uh, chapter 15 of the Proverbs. Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. Oh, raise your glasses. So good. Better a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. Now, a fattened calf in the ancient world was a sign of material wealth. That was uh, like a symbolic meal that you would have of a fattened calf to celebrate something huge because you had that kind of bounty. Somebody who had a fattened calf on a regular basis was a very rich person. But central to the wisdom tradition was better just to have vegetables, better to be living simply, better, better to only have a few things, just enough food for a meal, but have love, love for the people around you, love for life, love for this moment, love for the next step on the journey, better to be just getting by but be fully alive than to have every material comfort and to actually hate it. See, your true self is talking to you. It's telling you whether this is life or death. It's telling you whether you, life is expanding 
and enlivening with all of its greater connections and possibilities and freedoms, or you're just sort of getting through. So a couple of phrases that uh, I think the true self speaks. One of them is, have you ever heard this phrase? Rumble up from within your heart and mind. This can't be it. This can't be it. Yeah, sometimes that's what the voice, sometimes that's what your true self says. This can't be it. If that's, uh, if that's something that you're hearing, man, this can't be it. Yeah, of course. Something's dying. Something's dying. And you pay attention to that. Part of wisdom is you pay attention to that. There's more. This can't be it means there's more. It means there's more. It means there's more. Uh-huh. Or uh, numb, when you feel numb. Like you can't feel like you know you're like something will happen that you even as something that should normally make you angry or sad, let alone something that should bring you joy. And there's just a flat, man, I should I should be feeling this. Yeah. Yeah. Something within you is dying. And uh, you want to be alive. You want to be alive. Or uh, when you feel like you're just going through the motions, like you're just executing the tasks like you know how to do what needs to be said, what needs to be done. You're filling out the right paperwork and it just feels like motions. It doesn't feel like there's anything behind it or under it or around it or anything larger animating it. It's just an action in isolation. It doesn't seem to be connected to any larger web or matrix of meaning. Yeah, you're just going through the motions. Yeah, you're dying. That's dying. Or uh, how about this one? when it feels like you're skimming the surface of your own existence. Like, like events and interactions, you just sort of slide across them, but you don't ever sink down into them. Yeah, that's dying. Because you're meant to feel it. You're meant to feel the depth and density of the common everyday moments. That's like those moments just in the course, everyday course of life when you're like this, this is life right here. This is, this is like unexplored, this realm that I'm in right now. Yes, that's it. That's it. Yeah, those are all, that's all your true self. It's talking to you. It's telling you we're dying here and we don't want to die. We want to go where the life is. We want to go with that. Sometimes it involves radical steps. You got to sell your house. You got to move to a new town. You got to quit your job, whatever. Sometimes it's that, but oftentimes it's simply changing your thinking. It's simply opening your eyes to, I have choices. And I have made choices that have taken me towards death. And now I need to step in and make different choices. Yeah, it's always the wisdom tradition about the steps that you take in everyday life. It's not about IQ. It's not about where you went to school. It's not about intelligence tests. It's not about bank account. That's the beauty of the wisdom tradition is insists that wisdom is where the joy is and wisdom is available to everyone. She's singing in the streets. She's calling out. She takes delight in the divine presence. And the wisdom tradition is about you and I taking joy and delight in the divine presence that surges through everything. Now, a couple questions. Uh, a couple questions about life and death and vegetables. First off, uh, a couple of questions that have helped me understand what a, how, how to take choices. Am I reading off someone else's script? Are you reading off someone else's script? Sometimes we make choices because, well, this is what they would do, or this is what I was told. 
I was supposed to do, or this is what everybody in my tribe does, or this is just how it's done. And so essentially you're reading someone else's script. It's not your script. Your script will probably look different. And so sometimes what happens is there was the path that we were to take. There was a choice we were to make, but we didn't make it because we didn't want to be misunderstood. We didn't want to be criticized. We didn't want to appear arrogant like we thought we had a better way to do it, but there was a step that was ours to take and we didn't, we read off someone else's script. And now we're dying because of it. And so we have to go back and, and trace, oh, at that juncture, there was a different choice. And I saw it because it was always there, but it was too painful. It was too risky. I didn't have enough courage. So now I need to own up to that. I didn't have the courage to read from my script. And I read from someone else's. Or I read from the one that I was told was mine, but I knew it wasn't mine. And so you go back to, oh, what was I thinking? I don't know what you're thinking, but here's the beauty of it. You can change now. Are you reading off someone else's script? I don't know what they're going to do with their life. What are you going to do with your life? It's energy speculating on what they would think that could be energy that you give to you finding your path. Secondly, uh, have I betrayed my integrity and now I'm living split because I didn't do the right thing? And so I need to clean it up. And the reason why I'm dying is because I have unfinished business. I need to make amends. I wronged somebody and I need to make amends wherever it would not make cause more damage. I need to write a letter. I need to make a phone call. I need to apologize. I have literally gone over to people's houses and knocked on their door and stood on their front porch and just said, I'm here to just say, I'm sorry. Uh, if in any way I hurt you, I didn't mean to, but I totally own anything that I did. I cannot tell you how much life making amends will breathe into you. Sometimes we're dying because we did something wrong, destructive, sinful, and we need to own up to it. We need to own up to it. And again and again and again in the wisdom tradition, there are these warnings. If you take the destructive, toxic path, you violate another, you degrade another, it will stay with you and it will rob you of life. It will literally affect your bones because you are an integrated human being. You will store it somewhere. So over and over again, the wisdom tradition is like, sometimes you're dying because you did something wrong and you need to stop and confess it, drag it up, make amends if it's possible. Yeah, this one, huge, huge one. Even you will find if you are wondering whether or not you, you, you just, say, just say to the person, hey, by the way, you know that thing? If I was like out of line or something, I'm sorry. You can't believe what that, you can find out all this stuff has been building up in there. And then all of a sudden it's like a release valve. It's out there and oh, now you're living. And then, and then there's one more. This is huge. Do you have any lingering what ifs? You know what the what if is? The what if is what if I tried that? What if I did that? What if I took that class? What if I made that phone call? What if I took that risk? What if I contacted that person about trying out this idea? Uh, when I was in my 20s, I made a decision not to live my life wondering what if. 
And that if I had lingering what ifs that, that I just kept, that just kept knocking around in my head and heart, what if I did that? What if I tried that? And it didn't go away, something substantive uh, that I would try it. And I'm telling you, it has been the best life. <laughs> there's, there's seriously been a lot of sweat and blood and just what am I thinking and long dark nights of the soul and just bruises and wounds. Yeah, but it's also been awesome. <laughs> it's been unbearable and it's been awesome. Uh, if you decide not to live your life wondering what if, you will be fully alive. You will live. Um, do you have any what if? What if I tried? What if I, and you're, you haven't taken the step because of fear or uh, some sense of in, like you're not good enough or whatever, or you'll never feel good enough, by the way. It's not about that. It's about, do you want to live? Do you want to be alive? Uh, do you have any lingering what ifs? And maybe you just decide, I'm not going to live my life wondering what if. So you make the phone call. So you try the thing. So you just do it and you see what happens. Of course you may fail. Of course, people are like, I don't want to fail. Well, you are going to, you might as well fail doing something enjoyable. You know what I mean? <laughs> you, might as, you might as well fail uh, pursuing your curiosity. You might as well fail with a smile on your face. That's what I do. I fail all the time, but I'm smiling because it's like better, better this than wondering what if, what would that be like? Ugh. Love and life and death and vegetables better vegetables with love, a small serving of vegetables with love than a fattened calf with hatred. In the wisdom tradition, better to be fully alive and to be barely hanging on, maybe just, just barely making rent, but you're alive than to have all the comforts of the modern world and hate your life. In the wisdom tradition, you're living or you're dying. The natural state of the universe is becoming. And if you're not becoming, you're dying. That life and death are present modes of being. It's not about you're alive, then someday you're going to die. It's about right now, you're living or you're dying. This is independent of job, money, what schools your kids go to, how physically healthy are you not this is about this place that you live from. Heart, being, true self, spirit, center, whatever language you want to use for it. In the wisdom tradition, you pay attention to that because that's where the whole thing flows from. And you want to be alive. Oh, yes, so good. Oh, life and death and vegetables. My friends, I want you to be alive and whatever steps you need to take and whether people get it or not, I want you to be brave and have courage to read from your script and follow your script. I want you to have the courage and integrity to, uh, if you've made some destructive choices, own up to them. You made those choices, just own up to them. Forgive yourself, let it go. We're all trying to figure it out. Make amends if you need to. Write a letter, apologize, make a phone call, do whatever to do, and then let's get on with it. Let's get on with it. And then if you have any what ifs, let's go. Do you have any lingering, what, not a what if like, hmm, I should try the quiche. What if the, I tried the quiche instead of the vegetable salad? No, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about like a lingering what if, like did I choose the wrong career? 
like a lingering what if, like why do I always think about moving to that town? Like a lingering what if, like these people that I'm with every day, I should go get to know them because I just pass them, but I never stop and actually find out who they are. What if there's a whole world of interesting connection that I'm not that I'm missing and I'm passing it every, that's what I mean by a what if, like a significant what if. I'm telling you, it will change everything. It will change everything. It will change everything because you're here to live. You are here to live life and death and vegetables. Give me some vegetables fully alive than a fattened calf and some hatred. You know what I'm saying? There we go. <laughs> Grace and peace, my friends.